Employment Law Show right here. Welcome to it. And you want to reach out, I'll give you the number right away before we even get into the uh, the meat of this show. And that is 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We will also touch on several times during the show uh, and more in depth later on, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But while we sit here and talk and begin the show, feel free to go there and check it out. In the meantime, no, severance rules are not different for you if we'll get to those talking points in just a bit. First uh, week that was, pal, what do you got? A couple things going on. Hey, uh, more than a couple of things. I always try to kind of whittle it down to a couple of things here so that uh, we have other things to talk about. But it has been a very busy week, uh, busy last few days. I spoke with a lot of people, a lot of uh, actually listeners of, of this show who have listened to the show and, and reminded them of something that they came across or they had a question for a family member. So not a problem, not an issue. Anytime you have an issue, a question, whether it's for you or for a friend, family, what have you, bring it on. Call, email, we'll give you that information throughout the show. It, I'm easy to reach and, and uh, happy to answer questions. It's not a trouble. It's what I do. It's my job. I'm not a, a radio guy. I'm here. On the weekends, talking about employment law, the rest of the time, I'm actually, I actually solve workplace problems uh, in my job as a lawyer, so uh, bring it on. But specifically, a couple of situations that came across my desk just very recently. I spoke with a truck driver who found himself in a bit of a, of a pickle. He had gotten into an accident recently with his truck, and police determined it wasn't his fault. It was the other driver's fault, luckily. So he was fine, and he, he was a bit banged up, but nothing too bad. So thankfully, no one was significantly hurt. Well, when he came back to uh, to work or when he uh, when he went back to, his, uh, to, to the company's headquarters, they said, well, for you to continue driving, we want you to, uh, to immediately do a drug test. And, you know, we want to just make sure that you're safe. We have an obligation to make sure that you and everyone else is safe. Well, this person had no problem, actually, with the drug test in the sense that he didn't do drug, hasn't done anything in years and years and years. But he felt that this was a bit of an intrusion or invasion of privacy. And he, it almost seemed to him like they're trying to accuse him of doing something wrong when the accident was determined not to be his fault. And on principle, he said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do a drug test. I don't think I have to. Uh, and the company insisted. And they said, well, then you're not working until you do this drug test. When you're ready and willing to do this drug test, by all means, come back to work. We'll have routes for you to drive. Until then, uh, you, you, you can't work. Very upset and very frustrated, he called me. And he wanted to know, can they do this? Can they make me uh, go through a drug test when really I don't think I've done anything wrong? Well, yeah. the, the short answer is no. Absolutely not. They cannot do that. There are very limited circumstances that a company can require someone to do a drug test. And usually it has, that, it has to do with there being good reason to believe that there's an issue, that there's a problem. If they saw some signs of drug use or they thought that uh, you know the accident may have been caused because of drug use, and obviously driving is an important position, you can't take any risks, then they may have been able to require it. But not in a situation, this guy has been a long-time driver, never had an issue, the accident was not his fault, they cannot, under any circumstances, make him sit through a drug test. Yeah. So by doing that, by telling him that now you can't work, now you're not there until you're, you're taking this test, that's, that's a termination. They've actually terminated his employment. But it's also a human rights issue. Uh, asking or demanding a, a, an otherwise inappropriate drug test is a violation of our human rights legislations in, in, in Ontario and across Canada. So it's illegal, and the company's going to have to pay for it. And I'm going to work with them to make sure that that gets resolved. 
he wants his job back, so I may start by reminding them that they can't do that, and hopefully they back off. But for you out there, remember, not a good idea to, to be doing uh, drugs if you're going to be working in a safety-sensitive position. But beyond that, in most cases, the company does not have the right to demand you subject yourself to a drug test. Same thing with alcohol tests. They cannot do that. If they do, you are able to refuse. And if they still uh, insist, that may be a termination. That may be a human rights violation. The law is pretty clear on that. Reach out, one 821 5900 with any questions about that, help at employmentlawyer.ca. What else uh, What else you got going on? So we spoke, we, we've spoken, I should say, many, many times on this show for years and years about maternity leaves. And yep. we've spoken about, you know, the employer can't do anything to you if you're taking a maternity leave. They can't uh, penalize you. They can't let you go. They can't keep your replacement. But important to remind ourselves and everyone that the same thing applies to fathers. It's exactly the same. There's zero difference. So our, our T-shirts are going to say, don't mess with mama or papa. Yeah, that's uh, right. B- because it's illegal. And I got a call from a gentleman, and, and what happened to him was inappropriate. He went on a paternity leave, and he got the impression immediately, as soon as he told his employer that, that he's going to do it, that they looked down on him, that they were very unhappy, that they really didn't want him to go. And then when he came back, guess what? They put him in a different lower-level position, and he felt that he was just being ostracized ostracized and mistreated. And, and it was clear that this company just didn't feel like this dad should have and or had any right to take paternity leave. Huh. Well, no, that is illegal. First of all, by treating him badly, by demoting him, that's a constructive dismissal. It's also, it's also a breach of the Employment Standards Act. It's also a breach of the Human Rights Code. It's illegal. Can't do that. You would not do that with a, a, a woman, a mother taking maternity leave. You cannot and should not, under any, any circumstances, do that with a father taking paternity leave. You have this dome of protection, the, this, uh, this cocoon of protection around you. You can't have anything happen to you. And if the company tries to do anything in, in any way, you got to reach out. It's illegal, and there's going to be some consequences. With the time increase to 18 months, I think, at least in Ontario, have you noticed an uptick of problems with uh, with employers doing things with people that are on uh, maternity or paternity leave? Because, I mean, a year and a half is a long time, right? I, Good I, for the parent, right? I, it's great for the new mom or new dad, but... I can see this being a problem with some employers and some of them jumping the gun. Absolutely, and I've already started seeing that, and I've already started seeing employers trying to find ways to let the employee go before they go on the parental leave so that they don't have to wait for them for 18 months, and they come up with a reason, or really it's just restructuring, or your performance wasn't good, and it's clear that what they're doing is they're trying to avoid having to deal with the maternity leave or the parental leave. Again, illegal. It's one of the most fundamental principles of employment law. You have to be allowed to take that leave, whether it's 18 months or anything else. So if you're ever in that situation, now you know it's illegal. Now you know that can happen. You got to reach out to me right away. We'll take a short break before we get into more of our show for uh, for today is help at employmentlawyer.ca, 1-855-821-5900 is the number. It's Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show to reach out, get a hold of Lior, member of the team, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll talk more about that particular uh, site and application in just a little bit here. But uh, one of the topics for today, as well as emails, is this. No, severance rules are not different for you if 
Right. We started this show because of misconceptions. Uh, we started this show to tell people the truth because five people, you may ask, believe five different things about severance, about termination of employment, about employment law. So some misconceptions have to do with, with, with severance. And people believe that in certain situations, different rules apply to them, that the general law doesn't apply. So we want to talk about some of those common situations where people may believe that the rules of severance don't apply, but in reality, they apply just the same. First one off the out of the gate here is no severance rules are not different for you if you work in a federally regulated job. We're talking banking, uh, telecommunications, I think railroad there as well, right? Absolutely. So federally regulated employees when, are treated the same when it comes to your full severance as provincially regulated employees. Most people in this country are provincially regulated, but there's about, I don't know, 20% or so of the population that work for federally regulated employers, some some uh, trucking companies, uh, you said banks, telecommunications, etc. Well, when it comes to your severance, it's the same. Age, position, and length of employment are the factors that go into determining how much you're owed. Longer you work, older you are, and the more senior position, the more severance. So it's exactly the same federally or provincially. Now, your minimum entitlements are going to be different, whether you're federally or provincially, but who cares? Forget, I said that sentence and completely forget about it now, because it doesn't matter. Your full entitlements, your what we call your common law entitlements, is really all that matters, and those are the same. I've spoken with so many people over the years when they've been let go from a federally regulated employer, uh, and, and they believe that, wait a second, they, they said I, I get two weeks pay, and they offered me three weeks pay, so I guess that's fine, and that person may have been owed 10 months pay. So no. Federally regulated employees. By the way, you, you truckers out there, applies to you as well. You may be listening yeah. to me right now on your route and, and, and you, you don't believe what I'm saying. Believe it. Federally regulated employees, uh, truckers or otherwise, your severance entitlements are the same as everyone else's. No, severance rules are not different for you if you work in construction. Gosh, how many times has this come up in the last eight years? Oh, my Lord. It comes up all the time, and it's a huge point of uh, misconception, a huge uh, miscon- uh, just things that people believe that is simply false. And you know, unfortunately, the Ministry of Labor helps perpetuate that misconception, so that's wrong. So let's make it clear once and for all. Construction, And, you know, we may have listeners right now working construction, been doing it for years, assumed, no, no, I don't get severance, I'm in construction. No, think again. You get severance. You get the same severance as everyone else based on those factors that I mentioned before, age, position, and length of employment. Now, you may not be covered by the Employment Standards Act, which means your, your minimum entitlements may be different, but your full entitlements are the same. So you lost your job in construction, whether you work for a week, a year, or 50 years, you are owed severance, okay? Construction, you can't call the Ministry of Labor, you can't get advice from them because they'll tell you that you don't get anything. They can only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements. Reach out to me, go to severancepaycalculator.com, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, get the real truth, the real facts, because construction employees, like everyone else, get full severance. Here's another big one that people believe severance rules are not different for you if you are a part-time employee. Part-time employees, same as full-time employees, they get severance. So you may have worked part-time. Now, 
if you make less money, that may be reflected in your severance. You're still going to get the same number of months, but uh, it's going to be reflected in the dollar amount that you'll sure. get. But it's very simple. If you have a job and you lost that job, you're owed severance. Whether you work two days a week uh, or, or five days a week or anything else, you get severance. And this happens very often, by the way, you know, with part-time jobs, maybe in the service industry, someone works for a few years, they're let go. Uh, maybe the company's closing down or, or they're making some changes and they let go. No one even gives thoughts to severance because they assume part-time employees don't get it wrong. Illegal. Part-time employees get severance. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com as well to find out how much. A big misconception. Seen it many times, John, and wrong and illegal. If you haven't checked it out as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, Severance Pay Calculator is part of that particular website. It's uh, it's really cool. Lots of information on there for you. You'll want to check it out. Uh, anytime. No, severance rules are not different for you if you are a quote-unquote fake independent contractor. <laughs> yes, the fake independent contractor. And and guess who the fake independent contractor is? Most people. Right. Okay, most people, when they're supposedly independent contractors, they're not. They're fake in the sense that they've been misclassified. That I'm not saying that is a derogatory term. They haven't done anything wrong. It's the company that they work for that's misclassified them. So if you really are in the eyes of the law an employee, you're just being mistreated as an independent contractor, when you lose that job, you are owed severance. I've personally spoken with hundreds, literally hundreds of people over the years in that situation. Very common. You have a regular job. You go to work. You come home. You come back the next day, do the same thing. If you do that, you are an employee in the eyes of the law. It doesn't matter what the company calls you. It doesn't matter how you pay your taxes. It doesn't matter if you invoice the company. It doesn't even matter if you have your own company that you've incorporated. If you have a job and you lose that job, you are owed severance. So for quote-unquote fake independent contractors, they are owed severance, John, the same as everyone else. We'll take a uh, short pause here and get right back into it. Uh, in the meantime, the number to call, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. This is the Employment Law Show. It's on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show right here. You want to reach out. Uh, first, I'll give you this one, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you haven't checked that out yet, do so. With lots of information there and also included as part of that severance pay calculator. Uh, as well, help at, uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca is email and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One more of these talking points before we move on to how to preserve your workplace rights and more details on the pocket employment lawyer. And that is, no severance rules are not different for you if you are employed by a small business or a small business owner. Probably one of the the main misconceptions. We may as well have used that as a, as our first one. The misconception being, uh, I work for a small company. So small companies don't have to pay severance. And by the way, if you call the Ministry of Labor right now and you tell them you work for a small company, they'll tell you you don't get severance. Why? Uh, Because your minimum entitlements are different if you work for a small company or a big company. The size of the payroll matters with respect to your minimum entitlements. Which is like I said before, forget I just said that because it doesn't matter. Your full entitlements, what you're actually owed, the full amount that you're owed has nothing at all, nothing to do with the size of the company's payroll, the size of the company, how many people work for the company. If you work for a small company or a major company, you owe the same severance because the factors are your age, your position, and the length of your employment, not the size of the company. So big misconception. You may have worked for a company that only has, you're the only employee. That doesn't get much smaller than that. You're the company's only employee. There's the owner and, and, and you. If, they, if you're let go, 
you are owed your full severance. Age, position, length of employment, that could be potentially as much as two years' pay if you've worked there long enough. So no, big misconception, not true, very false. You're owed severance if you lost your job. That's it. And I don't know how can, if I can make it clearer. If you had a job, you went to work, everything's cool, yeah, here's my job, then you lost that job, you are owed severance, and no, different rules don't apply to you. We've uh, we skimmed over a couple times during the beginning of the show, but give me some more details on the pocket employment lawyer. So I created the my my first tool, which is the severancepaycalculator.com website. I created that years ago to allow people to determine how much severance they're actually owed. Uh, and, and it's worked great. Uh, three quarters of a million people have used yeah. it to, to date, perhaps more by now. And and it's it's been you know changing it's changed things in the in the legal industry by giving people access to that information. Well, I wanted to take that to the next level. I wanted to give people more information, more than just how much severance am I owed. I wanted to allow people to determine if they've been constructively dismissed, if they've been victims of workplace harassment, if they're really independent contractors or employees. Uh, if uh, they've been uh, mistreated by their insurance company or had their human rights violated. I wanted all of that, not just severance. So I created pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's like having me or uh, an an employment lawyer in your pocket with you all the time, 24-7, to ask your questions, to find out about what you're owed. It's using technology uh, that, that we have to allow you to find out about your situation. How does it work? Well, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you pick the, the, the topic that you want to talk about. Is it in, about independent contractors? Is it about just cause? Is, is it about harassment? And then you answer questions, three or four or five questions, depending on the category. And then it's going to tell you, yes, you are an independent contractor. No, you're not. Yes, you've been a victim of harassment. No, you're not. There's cause to terminate your employment. No, there isn't. And you know, you don't have to wander anymore. It's like me giving you this information, except I'm there with you 24-7. Check it out. It's free. Did I mention free? It's anonymous. It's easy to use. It takes no time. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you have a legal question, a legal issue, make it the very first place you go to, John. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, that is the website to go to. Now, how to preserve your workplace rights so you can do it yourself. This is this is cool information. Even before they have to make that initial phone call to you, they should be doing this stuff, right? You should be the defender of your own rights, okay? You should always kind of be your own first line of defense. Uh, if your workplace rights are being challenged or diminished in any way, it's on you at least initially to preserve them, to fight for them, to maintain them. So we're going to talk about how to deal in, uh, with certain situations where it's on you to maintain those workplace rights. So so very important topic. We, we're talking about preserving those rights so you don't find out later that they've disappeared. Let's get a couple here before we break. The first one, this one is massive, arguably the most important piece of paper you'll ever sign. That is pay very close attention to the terms of your employment agreement or your job offer, right? Yeah, and, and that word very is highlighted and bolded and underlined uh, because it's extremely important. One of the most important documents you're going to sign ever, ever is your employment agreement or your job offer letter. Why? Because it governs your rights and you preserve your rights by understanding what you're signing. You preserve your rights by negotiating proper terms. You may sign an employment agreement not realizing that you've given up your rights. You've given up your right to full severance. You've given up your right not to be laid off temporarily. You've given the company the right to change your compensation uh, and do many other things to you. 
So that's not a way to preserve your rights. So you want to understand what you're signing. It's not just about how many weeks vacation and, and, and what your salary and, and what your bonus is. There are many more important things. Your employer's thinking about that, so you have to think about it as well. You're not sure what your employment agreement does or says or if you should be concerned, send it over to me. Let me read it. You preserve your rights by understanding what you're signing. And, of course, if you're already working and now the company wants you to sign a new employment agreement, the answer almost always should be thanks, but no thanks. I'm not signing it. I am not giving up my rights. You preserve your rights by allowing the law to do its thing by not signing an employment agreement that takes away those rights. Preserving your workplace rights on your own before you make that first step. We'll get to more of those talking points here in just a minute after we uh, we take a short break. one 821 5900 Write that number down. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show to reach out and get a hold of Lior, member of his uh, wonderful team there at the firm. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, even just for interest sake, spend some uh, some time on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. What we are talking about is this, how to preserve your workplace rights. You can do it yourself. The next one is this, don't quit unless it's completely voluntary, no matter what your boss says. And we've all heard that before. I'll expect your resignation on my desk by the end of day. Right? Yeah, the, the old resign or else threat. Yeah, no, that's right. no, you, you can't do that because by resigning, you've given up your rights. You don't have any more rights at that point because you've resigned. So we're talking about preserving your rights. You preserve your rights by allowing the company to do things that trigger your entitlements. So if a company wants to avoid having to pay what they owe, they often say, just resign. And if you resign, well, you, you've, you've done what they've asked you. You've given up your rights. You've given the company a huge benefit. So you only resign if it's voluntary, if it's unilateral. If you've decided you don't want to work there anymore, maybe you have another job, maybe you're, you're going back to school, or you know, maybe you just said, that's it, I've spent my time here, I'm out of here. That's fine, you could do that, resign, no problem, but because it's your decision. But if someone else, your employer, your boss, uh, HR, whoever, says to you, no, no, we expect you to resign, why aren't you resigning? The answer should be no, I am not resigning. If the company yeah. doesn't want you there, let them terminate your employment so that you can get your severance. Okay, and potentially it could even be a human rights violation, depending on why they've terminated your employment. So you're preserving those rights. You walk away from them if you resign when you shouldn't be. Don't resign unless the company, uh, unless it's voluntary, not because the company wants you to. And if you're ever in that situation, you're not sure what to do. Should you? Should you not? Always happy to chat, but always preserve your rights by not resigning. If, if you've done that, thinking that you had to, you just heard the show, you did it yesterday, do you have time to take it back? Can they call you and say, I think I, I screwed up big time? Yes, and, and the, yeah. the key here is to act as quickly as possible. If you want to rescind the resignation, i.e. take it back, you have to do that quickly, usually within a day, maybe two days, uh, but that's it. If you wait too long, you can't take it back. So maybe you resigned because you thought you had to, or perhaps even in the heat of the moment. If you've done that, you can take it back if you act quickly. And if you take it back, say, no, I didn't mean to resign. That's not what I wanted to do. If the company says, too bad, we've accepted it, you're not coming back, at that point, it becomes a termination. So mm. you have a, a window to take it back if you want to, but you have to act very, very quickly. How to preserve your workplace rights. You can do it yourself. Next one is this. Don't take, quote, unquote, one for the team at your expense. Very important. And, yeah. and you know, oftentimes we want to be the team player. 
we want to be there to show the company that uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna help out. Uh, we're, we're gonna understand that's tough time, so we'll take a pay cut, or uh, you know we'll take on a new role because I know you need us, and that is admirable. I, I gotta say right off the bat, if you've done that, kudos to you. But the problem by doing that, you've given up rights, and and what I mean specifically, if you take one for the team, thinking it's a one-time thing. And, you know, they'll repay me down the road. Well, unless there's an agreement that says that, the only thing you may have actually done is given the company the right to do it again. So you've given up your rights. Maybe you took that little pay cut because you wanted to be a team player and you didn't have to. But now the next time the company wants to reduce your pay, you may not be able to do anything about it because you let it happen the first time. Remember, when it comes to employment law and your rights, no one's going to stand up for your rights Your rights other than you. You have to take that position. So if your company is going to change terms of employment, you really have to think hard. Am I going to take one for the team and potentially give up my rights? Or am I going to say, no, I am not doing that. I'm going to stand up for my rights. You either refuse to do it, or if the company does it anyway, you may treat that as a constructive dismissal. When it comes to changes to the terms of employment, it is dangerous to, to take one for the team, by doing that, potentially, you've just walked away from rights that you otherwise had. We are talking about how to preserve your workplace rights. You can do it yourself. Don't forget about your employer. Gosh, don't when you're on a medical leave, especially for a, a lengthy time, right? And here's what I mean by that. Your right when you're on a medical leave is to, to be to continue to be employed and for the company to have to make ref- efforts to take you back to work. Those are your rights. Well, you want to maintain those rights. And the way you maintain those rights is by being in touch with your employer while you're off on a medical leave. You want the company to know that you're still there, not to forget about you. You want the company to understand that you're working on getting better, that you are going to come back. You may even want to tell them, here's what my limitations are going to be. You can give up your rights by not being in touch with the company, uh, going off on a medical leave and not not uh, staying in touch. The company may think you've resigned. And in some situations, if the absence is so long and you haven't reached out to them for so long, the law may agree with that and say, well, because you're out of communication for so long, you've now resigned. You've abandoned your job and you've given up your rights. So you preserve your rights, your rights to be an employee, your right to have your job by being in touch with a company when you're off on a medical leave, send them an email every once in a while. Maybe send them a doctor's note, just even to say that you're still getting treatment, you'll be in touch. That's it. You don't have to give them huge updates. You don't have to tell them what your medical condition actually is. That's private. Just to remind them you're there, you're working on getting better, you're going to come back to work at some point. You preserve your rights. You stand up for those rights by doing that. Quick break, and we'll uh, get back into these, how to preserve your workplace rights. You can do it yourself. Lots of more of those are on the way, and some of your emails as well. you want to send an email along as we're into a short break here. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. The number always, one 821 5900 Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show, we're back at it here. It's uh, 1-855-821-5900 to call your or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Last couple points on this one, how to preserve your workplace rights. Hope you're taking the, uh, taking these down or at least putting them into uh, to memory for sure. Stuff you can do yourself. Don't ever file a complaint with the Labor Board if you lose your job. That could be something you don't come back from. No, you, you, you don't come back from. It's a surefire way 
surefire way to give up your rights and, and abandon rights you otherwise had. And, and this, God, I, I, I sometimes listen to myself saying that, and I think I sound absurd when I say that, but it's the truth. You cannot contact the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job. They cannot advise you about your full entitlements, and it gets worse. They can actually give you incorrect information because they only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements. And if you don't know the difference, that's misleading. And by filing a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, you've, you've now given up your full rights. You cannot then go and get everything that you're owed. Let me give you an example. Maybe you, you were let go and the company didn't pay you severance. You worked for the company for four years and you file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. The Ministry of Labor may be able to recover your minimum entitlements, which are four weeks pay, but they cannot get you your full entitlements, which could be eight months pay. And by simply filing that complaint or that application with the Ministry of Labor, you're barred. You are not allowed to pursue your entitlements. So you give up your rights by going to the Ministry of Labor, going to the Labor Board. You cannot do that. You stand up for your rights by using one of the other resources that we've talked about. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Call or email me or call or email another employment lawyer. Either any of those works fine to stand up for your rights. Yes, you can do it yourself and you cannot contact the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job. Do you have a window for retraction if you end up doing that after hearing the show going, oops, I just did it three days ago? Two weeks, my friend. If you file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, you have two weeks to withdraw it. Uh, And if you don't, again, you've given up your rights. So best advice is just don't do it to begin with. Don't, Don't be in that situation. If you have... Call me immediately, not uh, tomorrow, not after the weekend. Call me right now. How to preserve your workplace rights. Two more of these. We'll get to it right here. Don't accept a temporary layoff. Exactly. Giving up your rights, not standing up for them. If, If you're laid off temporarily, that is illegal. In most cases, that is something a company cannot do. But even though it's illegal, the law is going to allow you to accept it. You can accept something that's illegal, except by doing that, you've given up your rights. Because in the future, the company is going to be able to do it again because you let them do it in the first place. So how do you stand up for your rights? You say, no, I am not accepting this company. And just so you know, company, if you're going to lay me off temporarily, I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal. In many cases, the company that understands that you call them on it may back off. And you can do this yourself. If they don't back off and they say, well, too bad, we're uh, doing it, well, then it's time to talk. Then it's time to, to pursue a constructive dismissal so, if you don't, uh, so you're not considered to have accepted it. You can stand up for your rights by telling the company, I'm not accepting a temporary layoff. You can give up your rights. You can abandon those rights by, by allowing it to happen. We'll get to one more here before we slide over to some emails. By the way, that is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Last one. How to preserve your workplace rights, document, 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 always in writing. Big time, yes, absolutely important. Anytime you want to have a record of something, create that record. No one's going to do it for you. You stand up for your rights, you preserve your rights by documenting everything that needs to to be documented. Maybe your boss said something or did something, write it down, send them an email confirming it. Uh, Maybe you had a meeting with HR. Well, again, do the same thing. Send an email confirming it. Maybe you spoke with HR about a problem. Maybe you're being harassed. Well, don't just speak to HR. Write it down, okay? Document things, everything. If you've been made a promise about a future bonus, it's not of any value unless it's in writing. 
Put it down. Send it to someone. Make sure that there's a record of it. It's easy to document things, and it's so, so important. Probably the easiest way to give up your rights, to walk away, to lose your rights, is by not documenting, by not being able to show what actually happened. It, documenting things gives you that strength, gives you that power, gives you the ability to stand up for your rights because no one can mess with you, if you will, if you have something in writing. And if they're not going to put it in writing, your employer, your boss, your HR, you do it yourself, easy to do, and you'll be glad that you did. As, uh, as always, we like to get to the last uh, few minutes of the show, this in the following segment with emails, and uh, we have time here. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. Phone call, too, when the show's not on, one 821 5900 In that regard, Frank, you're up first. My friend says, my former employer found out that I'm working for a competitor of theirs, former employer, and is now threatening to take legal action against me. You got any advice? Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I absolutely do. And, and the first thing is, is, is Frank bound by a non-competition obligation? Yep. Because if he is not, uh, then he can work wherever he wants. Even if he did sign a non-competition obligation, in most cases, those are not enforceable. Okay, and then it's only for the most senior people, your your executives, your fiduciaries, that are they're going to be enforceable. But if you sign one, then the company may try to enforce it, and ultimately they may lose. But it's still a problem. So what I always want to do is let me give me the opportunity to get the company off your back. Let me tell them that they don't have a leg to stand on. Let me also tell them that you know I'm working for a competitor, but I'm not going to hurt your business. Let me alleviate some of the concerns that they have. But you have to take it seriously, Frank. If the company's threatened to sue you, you can't just ignore it and see what happens. We have to respond. We have to be proactive about it. In many cases, they may not have a leg to stand on, but they may still try, so we have to be prepared for it. That's a non-compete, but the non-solicitation, they sure do have a leg to stand on, right? If you sign the non-solicitation obligation saying you're not going to go after their customers or employees and you're doing that, that is a problem. You can be sued, so you have to be very, very careful. Don't breach that non-solicitation obligation. Be smart about it. If you're not sure what that means and, and, and what's considered solicitation, let's talk about that before you do something that you may later regret. Uh, extremely important to think about that in advance. Uh, more emails to follow here after a, a quick one, quick break. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, 1-855-821-5900. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. If you've not checked it out yet, do so when you got some time. I know you will be referring to it in the uh, days, weeks, possibly years to come. That is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Next email up will be Will. Will be Will. Will says, uh, I've worked for a company for five years in a sales position and was just let go. They consider me to be an independent contractor. Here we go. I worked exclusively for them, full-time, but did not have an office. Used my own computer and paid my own expenses. Am I entitled to any severance? Great question. Great question, John. And, and it, it doesn't, though, get much more straightforward than that. Of course, severance is all because this person as an employee couldn't be more of an employee if they've tried. All right. Uh, if you have a regular job and, and you know, they uh, the company takes care of you like an employee, then you are an employee. You can't be an independent contractor when it's convenient and be an employee other time. So if you look like an employee and act like an employee, you are an employee that comes with a whole host of rights and entitlements. Means you're owed severance, means potentially you're owed vacation pay and overtime pay and statutory holiday pay. Most people are misclassified when they're supposedly independent contractors. If you're, if you're listening to us and you're not sure, 
Maybe I'm an employee. I'm an independent contractor. I'm not sure now. Well, let me let me um, just alleviate that issue now. You are an employee. If you're not sure, you are an employee. People that are really independent contractors are not uh, in any doubt. They're not wondering. They're not sitting there thinking, which one am I? If you're not sure, 110% sure, you are likely an employee. So and for this particular person, yes, you have entitlements, severance, potentially other entitlements as well. Call me if that happens. If, if, if you're in that difficult situation, the company is misclassified, John. I bet you right now, John, we have probably dozens of people listening to us that are exactly in the same boat. They've been misclassified, and the law considers them to be employees. We'll get to Melissa now. Melissa says this, I've been off work for seven years due to a medical condition. A year ago, I received my 15-year service plaque from the company. My doctor has now cleared me to return to work, but the company says that I'm no longer employed there. I'm a little confusing. What are my rights in this regard? Well, unless she's been terminated, okay? No. Unless she's been terminated, then she is still an employee. We know she was an employee at a certain point in the past. She got her 15-year plaque. Congratulations. But if, unless she's been terminated since, of course she is owed severance. So uh, she's owed severance now. She's not, she hasn't quit. She wasn't terminated in the past. She is owed severance right now. And the other issue is this. Why are they taking her back? Why are yeah. they not trying to bring her back? Is it because they think she's not healthy enough or they don't want to have to deal with someone that was on a medical leave? To me, that sounds like a human rights violation. That's illegal. Your time when you're on a medical leave counts towards your service. It counts towards your seniority. You may have worked for a company for two years and then had to go on a medical leave for two years. Well, you're now a four-year employee. And if your employment comes to an end now, your severance is going to be based on four years. Okay, and, and that's much more different than if it was, that's much different than if you were a two-year employee. So yes, for her, for Melissa, she's owed her full severance. Potentially, she's owed human rights damages. And the key to remember is if you're on a medical leave, that time counts. I've spoken with people who, unfortunately, for no, through no fault of their own, spent more time on a disability leave or on a medical leave than they did working. Well, that entire time counts towards your service. So when you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca or severancepaycalculator.com to calculate your severance, you put in your total years, including the time you spent on a medical leave. Is there a chance that possibly this company is getting confused with, with what you would refer to as a frustration of contract after all this time? Yes, absolutely. And and yeah. in some situations, a company can, if, if you've been gone for a long time and it's not likely that you come back, the company can say, well, it's frustration of contract. We can end the relationship with you without it being a, re, without it being a real termination. But the thing is, you can't do that once the employee has already said they're coming back to work. It would have to be at a point where they're not working and they're not able to work. So unless the company has done that before, maybe in the past they could have done that. Maybe in the past it didn't seem likely that she was going to come back to work and they could have said frustration of contract, but they didn't. They have to formally take that position. If they didn't, they can't do it now when she's coming back to work. Now it's illegal. Now it's a termination. Now it's potentially a human rights violation. Bottom line is you have a right to your job if you're on a medical leave. And if the company doesn't give it to you, not only are you owed severance, you may, you may be owed human rights damages as well. Let me slide one more quick one here in the last couple of minutes. Martin says, after 10 years with the company, my last two performance reviews have eh, been so good. I'm afraid that the company is going to let me go. Can they do that, and what can I do? So the, the short answer is, uh, to Martin is yes. They can let you go, and, and that's because the company can let you go pretty much for any reason or for no reason as long as severance is paid. So 
they can let you go even if you think the performance reviews are good or not good or fair or unfair. They have to pay severance. What they can't do is they can't just say, well, because your last performance reviews were not good, we're going to let you go for cause, i.e. without severance. They can only let you go for cause if you've done something terrible and if your performance is so bad that you're essentially doing it on purpose. Yeah, then they may be able to let you go for cause. That's difficult. That's almost impossible to do in most situations. And I want people to understand that bad performance or bad performance review or even being put on a performance improvement plan does not equate to termination for cause. It does not. One does not equal the other. You can be let go. But in most cases, even if your performance was not stellar, you are still owed your full severance. And we'll uh, pretty much uh, leave it for there for this show. We'll uh, we'll get to you next time. If you want to reach out, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can uh, email help at employmentlawyer.ca, just like we've been using on today's show. And if you haven't gone there uh, yet, it's uh, it's a pretty cool place to be. Now, the severance pay calculator, as we mentioned earlier, over uh, three quarters of a million hits on the severance pay calculator. This one, I imagine in time, will eclipse even that number. That is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. All you need to know, like having an employment lawyer in your pocket, there's also a contact at the bottom. You want to get a hold of your and his team as well. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Till next time, Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.